Welcome to Crime Corner, where we examine all things crime, whether it be on the page, on the screen, on the street, or in the courtroom. I'm Matt Coyle, author of the Rick Cahill Crime Series, and I'll be your host for as long as it takes. Before we start, um, I guess because it's my show, I can talk about my next book, which comes out November 30th. It's called Last Redemption, the eighth in the Rick Cahill um, Crime Series, and look for it wherever books are sold. So, my guest today... Elaine Mario is the author of the classic musical suspense series, which features classically trained pianist Maggie O'Shea as the protagonist. Not surprisingly, classical piano music and several visits to France, Austria, and Cornwall inspire many of the events and much of the atmospheric and authentic settings in the series. Elaine believes strongly in giving back, very true, to her community. For the eight years of the Clinton presidency, she was a White House volunteer for Tipper and Al Gore in the office of vice president. And continues to be a passionate advocate for women and children, children's issues. In 1998, she founded the Sundial Foundation, which contributes to nonprofit organizations for our most vulnerable women, children, and families for 20 years. Then in 2018, the Helene and Ronald Mario Fund was established to continue this work. This is the part that gets me. Royalties from all book sales go directly to children's reading, nutrition, and health programs. That's very generous. Born in New York City and a graduate of Boston University, Elaine now lives in Arlington, Virginia, with her husband of 50 years, the said Ron Mario. She is grateful to be a two-time cancer survivor, wow, and is most proud of her two children and five beautiful grandchildren. Her son, Sean, studied classical piano for 15 years and inspired the classical music background in the Helene Music Mystery Suspense Series. Shadow Music is Helene's fourth book, Welcome, Helene Mario. Thank you so much, Matt. Pleasure to be with you. Well, great to have you. That's a long bio, but um, it was hard to shorten because there's so much good well, stuff in my there. life is long. That's why. <laughs> well, that's better than short. <laughs> so can you tell us a bit about Shadow Music? Great title, by the way. Thank you. Yes, I think the title is so important. Uh, Shadow Music, as you said, is the third in my classical music suspense series. And um, Maggie O'Shea, my pianist, lives in Boston. She's still suffering from the tragic loss of her husband and her music, but she's finally beginning to resolve her past and find love again. Just as that happens, a, a blown glass figurine draws her to Cornwall, where she becomes involved in a search for a missing Van Gogh and the truth about her husband's death. So that is where we are. So this is a, an important book in the series where she finds out the, you know, that's an important um, yes, event. Yes, extremely. It is. It is. So Blown Glass I, Figurines, um, it seems to me that not only is music important in your books, but art as well. Very much so. Um, my husband and I have been collecting art forever. We love it. We surround ourselves with it, and it inspires me. It has inspired a lot of scenes in my books as well, and especially, Matt, uh, doing research about the artists and about missing art in World War II, and you just follow back, and there's just such a wealth of inspiration there for anyone. But I like all the performing arts. My one standalone novel, Firebird, has ballet and, um, and uh, music of a different sort. So I just really love the performing arts. Well, it certainly comes through, and I think it actually um, 
comes through because you really have, this is uh, what I noticed in reading the book, really have an eye and I would say an ear for description. And my question to you, I, I, I probably already know the answer to this from what you just said, but yeah. have you always had these strengths are, and are they related to music, do you think? That eye, that, that, that way, that, and I, oh, I'm sorry, that ability to describe what you see the way you want to. No, it's oh. relative, it has really come pretty much when I started writing, which was not that long ago. Uh, I like to read descriptive pieces because I always feel I'm falling into the into the story. So when I did start to write, I just had to work very hard at finding the right word. I could spend an hour on a sentence, and I guess I had. Yeah. Well, I think we all have, but uh, when do you do that, when you spend that hour? Is it as you're writing it, revision, or like the final read-throughs? Always. I can stop dead in the middle of a scene and work, 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 or I'll just forge ahead and come back to it. (laughs) I remember the publisher saying to me that they loved shadow music, but it wasn't a good first sentence. I thought, oh, dear God. (laughs) And it took me days to come up with a better sentence, and... uh, I still don't know for sure if it if it is. But. Well, let me hold on. Let me see here now. Yeah. Oh, it's a great first sentence, actually. Oh, good, one, good. One one final flash of light caught the faces of the two women hiding in the trees. <laughs> yes. That's a great first sentence. <laughs> yes, I want to drag you in. I think what to me, Matt, um, I always write a prologue. I know there are people that hate prologues and people who yep. love them, but I like them because that first sentence or that first few pages of prologue really uh, it can ripple over generations uh you know the cho- it shows that the choices we make can ripple over generations like a stone tossed into water and i like that it pulls people in well that first sentence definitely does and i say we have to give kudos to pat gussin our editor <laughs> at so uh she uh she Brought it out of you. So um, Maggie yes. O'Shea is the protagonist in all yes. the three music books. So yes. tell us about her and how she came about. Okay, sure. That is um, one of my favorite stories, really. I always read, but I never thought I would write a single book. And then mm. um, when I finally thought I would try, uh, the inspiration came from <clears throat> my son. The first, pers- the first question folks always ask me is, where did the inspiration come from? And uh, I always say, if you look at the root word of inspiration, it's inspire, to breathe in. And all of us, you, me, every other writer, we're breathing in constantly all the sights and smells around us. And... Way back when, um, my son was quite young, he was six, and he started asking for piano lessons. We did not own a piano. There was not that kind of music in our home. But we got him the lessons, and we quickly went from a no-piano home to a grand piano home. He was a beautiful pianist, and he studied for 15 years. And for me... When I would sit and listen to him practice, I fell in love with the classical music. So I decided when I was ready to write, of course I had to have a classical pianist as my main character. And that's how Maggie O'Shea came about. 
Well, you mentioned that uh, the first question you're always asked is what was the inspiration? And I like to, yeah. I would like to say, well, the reason I'm a professional and have this show is because I waited till the third question to ask that. So that's why I have, <laughs> that's why I have my you. own show. Yes, um, thank you. I'm thinking myself. Uh, so um, you said you never thought you'd write a book. Mm-hmm. So, and I think you start like me, you started late in life, although I always knew I wanted to write a book. So what, what changed for you? Well, I always wrote, um, I, after my children were born, I did so much volunteering, but all my writing was nonfiction. I wrote for nonprofits and that kind of thing as a volunteer. At the White House, I wrote uh, on issues, and I wrote a lot of personal letters for the Gores. So still, it was always nonfiction, but one day, I was sitting by the water and I was reading the newspaper and I saw a photograph of a man that reminded me of my very first love from high school. Hmm. And I thought, gee, what if I thought I had been in touch with him in decades and I just thought, what if somehow, you know, he came back into my life? And I sat right down at that moment. I borrowed a pencil and I wrote the prologue to the Lost Concerto and, uh, and that was what got me started. However, it was not that well written in the first drafts, and I ended up putting it in a drawer, locking it for a year. I, I, I was just devastated by the rejections, as we all know how that feels. Um, but you know what? I loved the characters, and I thought they have to get their story. I just have to learn how to give them a better story. So finally I unlocked the draw. And I I was brutally editing, and I also added new characters. I just made it better. So that's how. And then and I signed my first contract with Ocean View. I was 68 years old, so I thought, that's it. No more for me. Hmm. Well, a couple things. Uh, one is uh, how did your husband feel about your inspiration being a high school boyfriend? <laughs> well, he, he he knows better. After 50 years, it's really not too much of right. an issue. <laughs> no, no we know I made the right decision. <laughs> right. Um, but my oh, daughter was shocked. She didn't ever know that. So that that brought some family fun into the conversations. So you said, uh, and, it, and of course, and I, I read uh, on your bio on, of course, on Ocean View, we have a lot of questions we answer, but you transfer some of them to Amazon. And one of them being, when you think, what, what things about writing, what, what are, what are um, advice for writing? What, and you said, when you think that you're ready to send that manuscript in, I'm guessing as a first-time author, um, yeah. revise one more time, and I agree, if not yeah. more. But uh, do that brings to me brings up to my interest. Are you in a writers group? Have you ever been, or do you have beta readers? How does your process work like that? No, I'm not. I um, I I can't explain. I think I'm just a very lonely soul who wants to close herself off and write her own books um, without a lot of feedback. Partly, perhaps, because some feedback in the past made me feel as if I wasn't on the right path. But I ended up following my own heart and um, 
just decided to trust in myself, for right or for wrong. I know many people, and I think you're part of a good writer's group. It just yeah, yeah. happened to me. Yes, and I, I, if I could go back, I think I would try it. But at this point in my life, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not going to do that. But you know, it's given you, I'm sure, such a wonderful, um, a wonderful base for, and friendships as well. No, I kind of think they're all idiots, especially when they critique me. But uh, um, and they're listening, of course. <laughs> uh, but you did bring up, you brought to mind that something that I think we learned very early on when we get into business is there is no one right way to write a book. And that's that is certainly clear. So you wrote something very interesting about grief early, it's early in the book uh, that really struck me because unfortunately it's been it's been. I've had to deal with a lot of grief this year, but I'm going to read it because I'm going to read it because I think it really, to me, it summed up how how grief can strike you. And um, it's about three sentences, I think. Sure. Uh, you never knew when you might be blindsided by the ghost of memory. She learned that I'm sorry. She learned that grief was like that, quiet for a while, then suddenly, when she least expected it, it would come roaring back like an ocean wave, knocking her flat. A scent, a voice, a silhouette beyond a darkened window. And that is so true. Um, yeah. You know, I don't want to get into what's going on in my life, but I felt that. And, it's, and I think that even, even before this year for me, I think as you get older, and maybe, maybe it's just me, I think you feel grief, um, or at least I do, more deeply. And it does even, you can really, it can really sneak up on you. And, oh, um, yes, for sure. Yeah. For sure. I've learned um, in each of my books, I've brought in new supporting characters. And the beauty of them, and the, the reason I'm bringing it up now, is because they have allowed me to explore a lot of things that as a younger woman, I did not really think about. Now, when I bring in Maggie's father, for instance, I can explore um, loss and grief yeah. and forgiveness and all the big ones, you know, pain and suffering. And it allows me to also look at family and just big subtopics that I think a lot of readers really enjoy. Yeah, and I think I, I've said this before, but I'll say it again for, for writers who are listening in. Yeah. You know, you have, I, I'm guessing that you have not lived a life of international intrigue, but you write about it. I haven't lived a life of pretty much anything, but I make stuff up. But mm -hmm. the one thing that every writer, especially that gets to be our age, can bring to their writing is true emotion. You can plug the real life experiences you've had, the emotion of them, into any, into any um, thing you have in the story, and, and uh, it, it should come out. And um, I think the grief thing section really struck me. So, yes, I, I agree with you, yes. And I find the music... When I started listening to music and I would hear the emotions, as you say, and the beginning, the, the middle, the end, it really triggered in me a way of having music mirror Maggie's journey. And in mm. each of my books, I've done that. And in, in shadow music, I've done it the most. I did a lot of, I, try, I took piano lessons and I tried to, uh, I, I studied analyses of music and just really struck me. Mostly, though, I just listened. I just listened mm. and um, tried to communicate to, to the page what I was hearing. 
Well, that's, I think that's good inspiration. Music certainly is evocative and I, all genres. I, you know, I, those are, those are devote that are who are devotees to their particular genre. I think can find inspiration and feeling in all of them. Um, yes. So in shadow music, there are a lot of characters, a lot of machinations <laughs> and a lot of complications. So did that make for a difficult ride, or are you a very organized rider, unlike myself? Oh, it was impossible. I cried <laughs> my tears over and over <laughs> again. <laughs> but <laughs> what the, the thing about a series is, and you know this, and I heard your interview with Bruce Coffin, and he also mm-hmm. writes great series, and I'm a yes. fan of both of you, and he <laughs> said when you're writing a series and you're getting on going down the line, the corridor narrows. Oh, my God, that struck me. And what I realized was, for me, the corridor narrows on the action um, side because I love character, but plot and action I have more trouble with. So you can only use the gun or the knife or the falling in the water so many times. You know, I'm always looking for some new way to create suspense. But the opposite side of the coin and where my corridor has widened is um, again from advice from Pat Gusson when I I was terrified to write uh, a series a second book I didn't think I could I didn't think I could do as well as the first book and I didn't want to disappoint anyone but she told me that people love the, the character they want to continue with the characters they've come to love but the challenge is to give new challenges and new change and growth and i thought well yes that's that's great but how do i do that and i no. realized then that bringing in new supporting strong new supporting characters opens up a whole new world of plot and that's a very long answer to your question i'm sorry but i, I don't think it's that long okay uh, I'll, stop. I, I'll, I'll I'll say this that 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 corridor will narrow too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> You'll have to find something else. By the way, you could always have the dropping the gun in the water. You could always the next time you could always have it hit a um, rock just underneath the surface. Um, oh, thank you. Very good. I'll I'll write that down. Please don't. Please don't. It's terrible. <laughs> um, okay, so we already yeah we already talked about. It. Will you take up writing later in life? Um, so talk, because I I kind of envision you sitting, sipping a glass of wine, listening to classical music as you start each writing period. Talk about your process a little bit, if you would. Ah, process. I would <laughs> love to tell you that I write every day, five hours, you know, and, and uh, go into a cafe and look up at the castle, whatever. No, that's not the case. I love to travel with my husband. I love spending time with family. So I don't write every day. I've made a a real choice to embrace everything in my life. And so uh, I write when I can, which is several times a week, of course. I try to write three or four hours at a time. I, the next day, will go back and edit what I wrote the day before, and that sort of logically carries me into the new scenes. Yep. And I guess I would say that for me, when I write, I yes, I listen to the music. No to the wine. That's my reward for afterward. Yeah. But I, but as I, I sit down, I can actually see the scene play like a film 
in my head. And then I just try to write real fast and write what I'm seeing. I, I've been told my books are very visual, and I, mm-hmm. uh, I agree because I, I can see yeah. them that way. Well, it takes, you know, it takes a certain talent to be able to describe it as well. So when you're doing all this traveling, are you absorbing um, the scenery, the vibe, or are you also taking some pictures that you look at um, when you sit down to write? All of the above, all of the above. I, we, my husband did international business for many years, and I was very lucky enough to travel with him. And the first time I went to Paris... I, I had not even thought about writing a book, but we took uh, an elevator from the metro and we ended up in the bird market uh, near Tada. Mm. And I thought, holy, holy goodness, <laughs> that is a great oh, crap, spot. Yes, that's, thank you very much. That mm. is a great spot for a suspenseful scene. And I just, it has to become a scene someday in somebody's book. It turned mm. out when I was ready. I decided to go to Paris and have it be my scene. But that's how things come. I, I try to be very open to wherever I am. And, oh, and I, we had a, I went on a tour of the Sarasota Opera House, and they described on the darkened stage there was a single light, and the gentleman said it was the ghost light for the ghosts who come out on Mondays when the theaters closed. I thought, oh, my God. So that became a critical, critical scene in my second book, Dark Rhapsody. Very important scene. So you you just have to be open to all this stuff falling out of the sky and hitting you in the head, you know. That's right. Mm-hmm. I wish it would hit me more often. Um, <laughs> oh, it hits you plenty, honey. Oh, it hits me. Uh, <laughs> yes. I... I it seems to me, as well in your books, that the past is seems is always kind of crucial. There's always something in the or I'm just I mean I've only read to be honest Shadow Music, sure, um, sure. which I enjoyed, but it seems just from doing some you know research for uh, our talk that the past is important. So, first of all, am I right? And mm-hmm. why? Yes, I, I do believe history matters. I. Um, my dad was in World War II. He landed at Normandy on the second day. But it wow. was always something that I was very interested in. And I'm very, very interested in um, how people find the courage to do things that are terrifying. Yeah. And that was a period of time when people really did need, uh, did show the courage. They'd find the courage. And I always, always want my readers to say, oh, what would I have done under those circumstances? And so that's a, those historical times in history seem to just um, give me the opportunity to explore things like courage. And I always like to say running towards something instead of away. You know, I, I, I'm very fascinated by why people will do what they do. Yeah, yeah, certainly um, the times mentioned. There was, was real courage right out in front. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. So you mentioned uh, research earlier, and do you obviously you're kind of absorbing research when you all your, through all your travels? But for nuts and bolts type of thing, do you sit down? Well, well, here's two questions. Yes. You sit down and do research for the book you're going to write, all in advance or mostly in advance, and do you outline or do you get what you need as you go? A little bit of everything. I'm always tr- reading um, 
reading something, and very often I'll just start writing notes on it, and especially if it's of an interest to me, like World War II or art or music. And uh, the thing I have found about research, and yes, I will sit down and spend and read the books and spend the time on the Internet, hours and hours, once I know where I would like to go. But the interesting thing, Matt, well, two things. First, Many of the writers I know, myself included, will probably use 10% of all the research they did because you don't want to sound like a college text. You want to find ways to slip the information in in conversation or whatever. But also uh, the, the beauty of research is that one article leads to another. For instance, when I, I'm terrible at plot. It scares the hell out of me, and I, <laughs> it feels like a puzzle, a thousand-piece puzzle that I just can't quite do. But research has given me plot because I was reading a story about um, vanished paintings during World War II. This is a while ago. And that led me to missing music during World War II. And it turns out that the, my first book I based on a true story of, uh, of a concerto that was lost for, for many years and on a train you know, in Germany. So it's these kinds of things where one research article will lead you to another, to another, to another, and open up all new paths, and there's that inspiration again, that little spark of madness that comes from you don't know where. Yeah, it's funny how that how that works, how you describe that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and and that can, like you said, that can be, that can change, that can flip your book, the one you're writing, or it can mm-hmm. give you a, an idea for a completely new book. But you see exactly. Just from talking to you about writing, you're very passionate about it. Um, yeah. So I'm I'm surprised that you're not down there with that uh, wherever that you're in your study, wherever you write with the. Um, music going on in the background, writing every day, but you've got it kind of down to a science where it's three or four days a week. Well, I, I had to find that balance. And I feel sometimes that I'm working even if I'm not writing because sure. sometimes, you know, even something my grandchild will say to me will trigger something. And uh, I have two teenagers, and they were vaguely an inspiration for one of my newest favorite characters of all time, Dove, he's in Shadow Music, the um, the young Dove. Russian um, foster child. Yeah. And I just loved writing him so much. And, uh, you know, so, so, so he, but I don't even know where he came from. I think it was just sort of being out and about in the world. So do you want to talk a little bit about your charity? Oh, sure. Um just we're very lucky and so it's easy and feels wonderful to to help other kids and uh i've been looking at programs that support children's programs for music and art and all kinds of things i'm interested in as well of course as health and nutrition and uh it doesn't have a name any time i have a book launch or whatever i tell everybody and they'll sometimes even give pay me a little more for the book and they know that every, every cent will just go to help somebody somewhere. Yeah, that's that's quite uh, that's quite generous and oh, thoughtful. I don't even think of it that way. I just feel like I am able to give back. So why not? You know, I try to set an example for my family, for my grandchildren, that to be kind and and to help other people. 
there's not enough of that right now, and uh, that bothers me. Well, you've been doing it for a long time. So what are you working on now, or are you at that stage? Oh, yeah. I, well, um, the dreaded marketing has taken over my life um, hmm. for, for shadow music. I am halfway through... Uh, book number four. Each time I think it's my last book, but then somehow the end changes and it surprises me and it opens up new new questions and I end up saying, oh dear, well, we have to answer that one. So so um, I have a new book, a new Maggie book called Echoes on the Wind, which... Oh, a great title. I think so too. Thank you. Yeah. Well, you know, you. I always say you were the king of great titles. Your your <laughs> titles, your two word titles, just give a synopsis of your book, and it's wonderful. Thanks. Uh, yeah, for some reason, my first book after the title, yesterday's Echo, Bob and Pat, or mostly Pat at yeah. Ocean View said, "Well, we want two word titles now." So uh, that that became yeah. a problem. Um, <laughs> Very often I don't get them until after I'm done with the book, but um, I just came up with the title for the book I'm just finishing now. Anyway, so uh, can you share you, it? No. Uh, sure. Uh, well, I think it's kind of a hundred percent. It's going to be. Um, what is it going? Hold on, what's it going? <laughs> um, we can't remember from one book to the next; it all runs together. Wait a second. Oh, Doomed Legacy. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, so enough about me. So, uh, and where did people work? You mentioned marketing. So, how can people find you on the World Wide Web? Oh, uh, well, let's see. I have a, um, I have a website, HelenMario.com. Very, very easy, and uh, it's a really pretty website. I had a lot of fun doing it. It's really pretty, and um, and that's it. I guess I, you know, the usual. No, that's not it. You're on. You're on. No. Yeah, you're on. You're on Facebook what? too, though. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I'm on Facebook, and I have a newsletter now. That was another marketing thing. The um, director said to me, well, we have people for your newsletter. And I said, what newsletter? <laughs> so in the space of a week, I had to create an, a newsletter. But it turned out well, so I'm happy with yeah. it. Thanks for reminding me. i got to write mine, too. I, I, <laughs> I, I, hate, I hate writing newsletters, but some people are really good at it. Some people do it all the time. I do, I don't very good at it. By the way, you're uh, – you're, you're, uh, Website, which is very good, is done by the one and only uh, oh, yes. Matt, Maddie James. From yeah, from Zuni. Yes. So. Give a big shout out to her, her talent she's, and her yeah. kindness, and, and uh, she's she's super. Yeah, and um, she, your site looks great. Yeah, she does everything great. Thank you. So I want to thank you for being on the show, taking the time. We talked about this a while ago. Uh, oh, thank you. Yes, I, thank you very much. I. You uh, you made it easy for me, and I appreciate that. Well, next time I'll make it hard. <laughs> That's it. Next time I'll interview you. We'll flip <laughs> okay, the tables. We'll flip the tables. Okay, you'll, I'll be your guest host. Always ready to talk about myself. <laughs> All right, well, thanks again, Helene, for joining me. Thank and you, for everybody man. out I there. It. You bet. For everyone out there, it's Shadow Music. And remember, uh, the net proceeds go to a wonderful charity. So, uh, Helene, hope to see you at the next conference if we ever have them again. I hope so, too, Matt. Thanks again for everything. Good night, everyone. Thank you. (laughs) Bye. Okay, so in two weeks, I believe it's two weeks, I'm going to have Dennis Palumbo talk about his latest Daniel Rinaldi mystery panic attack.
I haven't talked to Dennis in a while. That'll be fun. And if you're in a book club and would like to talk to a real-life author, I am one of those, and I'd be happy to talk to your group. Check out my website to contact me, or you can use Novel Network. Um, They'll be happy to get us together. So this is a copyrighted trademark podcast owned solely by the authors on the air radio broadcast or global radio network. And I will see you or listen to you, talk at you in a couple of weeks. Thanks for listening. <laughs>